Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. We're so excited. We've just got to get to it now. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us. You want to dial mine down just a little bit there. It's uh, pot number one on the board. It's been a it's been a day. The audio, the audio on this computer down has become my nemesis because <laughs> of how much I have had to fight yeah. everything. All of the you know I've I've reinstalled the drivers probably a good dozen times now. And when I hear when I when I play anything back, mm-hmm. I'm now hearing an echo, oh, okay. which apparently is not actually on anything. It's just in my speakers. I'm getting someone. I'm getting an echo somewhere. It's all in your head. Basically. It could very well be. Uh, welcome it's everyone. Like the voices. <laughs> yes, they're telling me. They're telling me to do terrible things. The voices uh, in my head are dyslexic. They keep telling me to lick, lick, lick. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh, so, welcome everyone to the H Two O podcast. My name is Jason Hunt, and I am Timothy Harvey. And tonight, just uh, just to assure everyone, uh, there was no memo for the green shirts. There was, not. there was nothing that said, hey, let's dress alike. This is just a really comfortable sweater that is light enough that, because it, it's, when I got to the, when I was leaving the apartment, it was like, it's 60, it's going to drop into the 50s. It's, you know, yeah. it's the kind of thing that it's fine for low 60s, and, and then in the 50s, it's just warm enough, so. Yep. yep, Well, here inside the studio, it is 73 degrees, so it's going to be one of those Things. That one is on pot number three, and it should be on. It just Mrs. Boss is going to contribute a comment or something. I was just going to sit there and say I can run upstairs and get my high-top black chucks for you to borrow so you can be true twinsies. No, that's, <laughs> that's quite all right. I don't know that your high-tops are going to fit me. We can make it look like it's uh, in there. Right. So, just wait till after the ball, and then when he disappears, you can. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, uh, some of you might have noticed if you were if you were watching uh, live from the bunker today. Go ahead and turn me down just a little bit more there, if you would, please. Uh, if if you were watching live from the bunker today, you saw an unboxing our new set piece here in the studio. I'm not sure he's going to live here, but he might. Uh, the Shakespeare control bust uh, that you saw from Batman 1966. Now, this is the bank. Uh, it's vinyl. And it's pretty much the full size mm-hmm. of what you'd see in the show. Uh, the button doesn't do anything. And, you know, the dial is just there for decoration. It's, it's, it's a fun little piece. I may... If I'm feeling ambitious, mm-hmm. I may come in here and put that switch and attach it to something. Sure. And make it do something somewhere here in the studio, but I'm not sure what yet. So, so this will actually just the, the other project Jason has, which is to dig down deeper so you can put in the poles. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, actually, you know, 
we are uh, we are downstairs in this building. Mm-hmm. And we, I, you know, <laughs> that could that I'm improving could, projects, could folks. Be something something for uh, Mindy. You you can talk him down later for the next season. Ha yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so tonight's topic, we actually had a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think this is, what, three weeks in a row? Something like that. Maybe four. I don't don't know if, get comfortable, folks. I don't know if the universe will be able to take it. This is not something we can promise we'll continue to take. No, <laughs> no. no. Uh, uh, but the idea here we were talking about, because this particular show... We talk about all manner of topics. It's not something where we focus on like DC Comics or Marvel Comics or right, sure. you know, um, space opera or whatever. We hit lots of different things just as the, as the whim uh, hits us. And I had an idea, and I don't even remember where this came from, but the idea of what makes a hero... It turned out to be fairly timely because the, there was the uh, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier show mm. where we have the discussion that's going on in the show, which is I've seen I've seen quite a bit of discussion of this online, where you have the idea of a a, a replacement Captain America, yeah, and the concept of what it means, to, and and one of the things they're doing with the show is they're taking part of this storyline that's done quite a few quite a few years ago now, uh, where the introduction of the USA agent who is the character who, who was serving as Captain America. The for John time. Walker character. John Walker character. And they're giving him more nuance in the show, which is nice, because in the comic, his original appearance, he's very much a one-and-a-half-note character. Sure. Really. Yeah. I mean, he was... Not he, he was there to serve a particular purpose, and it, right. there's no nuance. You just... Uh, he and, who he is. And, and at the time of the storytelling, that was fine. Yeah. Um, now the character is, stu- is still around. The character has evolved. There's been they've basically made they've they've given the character some more gray edges and, and given him some some positive qualities as opposed to because oh, he really started off as a negative character. Sure, and intentionally so. And they're giving him a lot more shades and nuance in as much as one can in a Marvel. If you if your exposure to Marvel storytelling is, say, WandaVision. This is much more like the movies. It's a very different tone um, from the f- first show. But it's it's much more in line in the movies. So it's a certain kind of story. But they're giving the characters some gray areas, but it really kind of raises the question, you know, and it's part of the story that they're playing with is what does it mean to be that kind of hero? Right. And it's been really kind of interesting in some of the discussion... There are some people who don't seem to understand that you can make a character sympathetic and they're still not a hero. Sure. They're still, just because they want to be a good guy doesn't mean they are. Right, because in your zeal to be the good guy, uh, you have a tendency sometimes, depending on what your personality type is, uh, there is the tendency to overcompensate or to try too hard, and it you know the pendulum swings the completely opposite direction. You end up being the bad guy it, it without without ever intending to be. I think there's also the, the the distinction that I think it's gets blurred sometimes between 
a protagonist mm. and a hero. Yes. Because you can have a f protagonist who's a villain. And yeah. then you get into you get into some fuzzy gray area stuff that's designed to be fuzzy gray area. Like say Watchmen, where folks, Rorschach is not a hero. Rorschach's not a good guy. Rorschach is a protagonist. Mm -hmm. He's not someone to be emulated because he's a ex within the in the concept of a superhero. He's an extremist. Right. He's got a he's got a worldview that does not allow nuance. In a world that has a lot more grays than he wants to acknowledge, uh, Ozymandias is not a hero. He is kind of a protagonist. He has noble goals. He's trying to save lives. Well, uh, see now, I've I've always I've always felt my my understanding of protagonist is not necessarily that there are good qualities or bad qualities. Is the protagonist is your focal point in the story, is your point of view character, whether that's good or not. I mean, nobility doesn't necessarily come into it because your protagonist sure. is your lead character. It's the person that we stay with most of the time, whether that's a, a villain, you know, in the case of, say, Dr. Evil, for example, or, or something like that, where you have the character around whom the story is built. Sure. There's a Doctor, there was a Doctor Doom series recently. DC just kicked off a Joker series. Yeah. Um, and there's not the first Joker series, but this is the, the current run. Um, and although, interestingly enough, based on the first issue, Jim Gordon is the main character of, of the Joker series. Uh, Megamind. Megamind, sure. Megamind is is a is is like that. But Megamind also becomes a character where perception of the character as a villain, but the character is turns out to be a hero, and that's a character arc that you can see. Sure. Um, but it's it's as opposed to the villain becoming the anti-hero, which also is a a thing because you look at the Punisher. The Punisher, exactly. Uh, well, and the because I mean is. If you're familiar with the character, you know the character started off as a villain. He was a Spider-Man villain. Yep. And again, we 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 come into this thing that happens with comics. Um, it's part of, and part of it's the nature of when stories were told. Right. A lot of these characters were introduced uh, at a time when you weren't necessarily going for grays. You were very much hero villain. You know, right, and in some cases that storytelling works, but as the audience gets older or the audience matures, and that doesn't necessarily mean age; it means how people are consuming their media. We get more sophisticated, and so you end up, in some cases, trying to find those areas where a hero is not always heroic, mm -hmm. and a villain isn't always evil, <clears throat> and you can find those gray areas, and you can take it too far. Uh, some people have argued that the Punisher, some of the Punisher runs have gone too far because a character who is, strictly speaking, a mass murderer right. is painted as a hero uh, in the eyes, in, or no, appears to be a hero in the eyes of, of, of some people. And that, you can argue, that's not necessarily a good thing. That said, I'm really enjoying a horror series called Nailbiter where... The villain, one of the main characters, is a psychopathic murderer, and he's 
Well, a protagonist <laughs> of the series. Uh, Dexter. Dexter. Dexter is another example of that, where you have somebody who is your protagonist, who is not a heroic figure. But see, they thread a line there too, because it's he's a he's a social he's a psychotic he's a social he's a social he's a serial killer murdering person who targets other serial killers. He's a weapon sure. shaped by his police uh, officer father, yeah, or, or, or who adopted father who Breaking Bad. Oh sure, not a good guy. No. <laughs> no, he's not. But but he's an engaging character. The Godfather movies, right? Mm. You end up engaging because they're they're interesting characters. But one of the things that's interesting, of course, is that um, you don't want to emulate these characters. Right. Um, Patrick Bateman in American Psycho is the protagonist of the story. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> Okay, I mean that's Christian Bale's character. Yeah. Christian Bale's character. Well, and and the, the other the other I don't want to say nuance, but you can have a delineation as well between good guy and hero mm -hmm. in some cases too, because uh, good guys can be your supporting characters mm -hmm. and can be your um, your foils for whatever is going on, your your audience proxies or whatnot. Sure. And the hero, that word, to me at least, has a very specific connotation where, you know, you could look up a dictionary definition of it and tell you, well, this is what a hero is. But I was I'm thinking more along the lines of personal thoughts and, and feelings about what makes a hero and mm -hmm. why certain characters in literature, in media, are perceived as heroic, as perceived as, as heroes and others or not. Sure. You look at you know, uh, King Arthur. King Arthur is sometimes painted as a heroic figure but not always. Sometimes he's painted as a tragic hero. There is that. That's a, that's a completely new layer mm -hmm. and, and piece of nuance that goes into that story. Right, because I think you can, again, you come back to the, how stories in many ways are told. Um, because what's your audience is, right? So if you're in, so many of these things draw, draw out of myth yeah. and, and folklore and of course stories like Arthur or Robin Hood they're in their earliest forms are meant to be, uh, or not only meant to be, but a lot of times can be meant to be social commentary. They can meant to be, you know, giving a message, rob, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor, which is a fairly subtle way at the time of poking a little bit of the finger at the fact that, hi there, we're the peasantry, and, mm -hmm. and the upper class, class really is oppressing us right now. Right. Um, and see, and a lot of people lose sight of that aspect of it because you know that whole that whole you know rob from the rich and give to the poor is not exactly what Robin Hood did. He 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 stole back all of the tax money that the government, in the form of the king, had been imposing on the people. It wasn't necessarily. We're going to steal from there, and and that that kind of mindset and mentality, the the people who, you know, 
the world started 19 years ago when they were born. Sure, right. Don't understand the difference between. And even then, you can take back the take back the overtaxation as opposed to steal from the rich because they're completely different things. Right, but it makes for a catchier phrase. Sure. So it's Except marketing. it's wrong. Well, it's, 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 it's wrong. But it's, 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 it's still become the kind of this marketing thing that, that goes with Robin Hood. But, but again, Robin Hood's one of those characters that it depends on where you drop him yeah. in the English history. Because as a, a character who, and, and there have been more than one person who has attempted to sit there and go, okay, did Robin Hood, Hood originate with a real person? Oh, yeah. And there is a cast of characters who could basically say, well, could be this guy, could be this guy, could be this guy, could be this there's a bunch of them. And Arthur is the same way. There's If you're trying to, to root these people in a historical event, it's really, really hard. But that gives you, as a storyteller, the ability to move them around. Yeah. And there's, while most of the time Robin Hood has been tied into the Crusades and King John... Um, and but not always. And Arthur has ranged from Roman Britain all the way up to the 1200s, even though realistically, if you were to drop him in somewhere, you're probably looking around 500 based on the where the legends have sort of... We, they've, they've been able to, to trace as much of the legends back to periods and so probably right. around 580. Um, probably, because... Probably. That, not everything, not everything written down survives, right? So, I mean, it could be earlier. Um, but even then, you know, so... But you, you, can, you can take some of these characters and you can put them in a way so they can become a hero of the story you're trying to tell. Right. Which makes them sort of these epic, mythic heroes. Um, because there's a universality to them mm-hmm. uh, because of how they're portrayed. There are certain characteristics that you that you see in characters like Arthur or Luke Skywalker or Superman or Buck Rogers that I don't want to say they're universal constants, but there are particular traits that I think you find in you mentioned nobility, but you you, you find certain characteristics in your hero figure mm-hmm. because if you do it right, yes, this is a character that you would like people to emulate because they are the good guy. And good is an active piece of that where it's not just I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing this because I am inherently good and that factors into that. I mean, your hero, <clears throat> to me possesses that that selfless it, mm. it, it, it doesn't have to be a lot but there's a little there's a bit of selflessness in what they do well, it's, all rooted, it's all rooted in a kind of and this is a weird thing to say because you don't hear this much but if there's a it's kindness mm-hmm. it's it's a genuine sense of empathy yeah um, and while Empathy is not a dramatic thing when you're trying to do shorthand for storytelling. Empathy's hard. But if you look at the, 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 the length of time some of these characters have been around, and you go back to... And, and many of them are flawed characters. Arthur's a flawed character. 
Uh, and but there's always this this core of kindness. It's this core of understanding the other person and wanting this. They see somebody else in pain, and they want to make it better. Right. And you can see it, and, and it can be broad strokes. It can be very personal. It can be much broader. Um, Batman's a good example of mm. that because as much as everybody sees him as this dark figure, mm-hmm. you know, the, the shadows and the night and, and all these things, and he's this scary, he's a Batman, right? right? At his core, there are two things. One, save the city, and two, save his rogues gallery because he's constantly trying to rehabilitate both of them. He wants to save Gotham City from the scourge of criminal activity, whether that's organized crime or the crazy people that come in and poison the water or you know gas in the, in the sewers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he also wants to rehabilitate his villains. He's constantly just like, Harvey, let me help you. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. He even wants to rehabilitate the Joker. He, he, he finds that little piece. Well, because it also comes back to the fact that he doesn't want any other child to go through what he went through. Right. And it's like, I've, I've experienced this pain. I don't want someone else to experience this pain. Or you look at Superman, who, of course, you know, is raised, you know, is, is, understands he is the last of his kind. And raised in, in, in these what we call Midwestern values, um, you know, uh, be kind to each other people, take care of your neighbors. Show respect for each other. Show respect for each other. And took that into a, you know, a, and we've seen this play out with, with what happens when a character like Superman doesn't have that, that moral structure. Mm. And you get characters like Homelander uh, from The Boys, or you get uh, Brightburn, or or even you know um, uh, various evil versions of Superman in comic books that, that right. certainly have been right. around for a while, um, because the idea that you would have this godlike being, you know, this mythical, you know, essentially a Greek god, Roman god, Norse god, writ large in the world right now, um, and then but all of this power and destructive potential held back by kindness and the desire to care about other people. And optimism. And, and optimism. I think that's, and you know, we've talked about Zack Snyder's version of these characters, and the, I think that's the, the biggest thing for me that's missing from his interpretation of Superman is the lack of optimism, the lack of, of faith in humanity. Because that's a that's a that's a core piece of that character right. because of how he was raised. And I think the, you know, the I think the idea that I always got was that the that you would take Man of Steel would build into like you would build into getting the character arc of Superman who would be he'd be built into this character right. Right. But the problem with that is that you have a world that he's established where Batman has been around for twenty years. Yeah, and and that's fine. And there's ways to, so we, we tend to put these characters in roughly contemporary emergence in the very in the rolling timeline that is the emergence of superheroes. Yeah, um, you know, Superman and Batman came about at the same time. Wonder Woman came about at the same time. It was just it was this explosion in, in the modern era. You know, if you 
even if you draw in the Justice Society from the 40s, there's a gap in, in the story where, where superheroes went away for a while. Yeah. And the new generation of heroes emerged. And there's an advantage to that kind of storytelling because you can contrast the brightness of Superman with the darkness of Batman. And you can contrast the darkness of Batman with the epic um, power, both physically and emotionally, of Wonder Woman. Or, and so you can, these characters play off each other. Right. And you can look at a hero in a different kind of way. You have a hero who, you know, uh, is doing it out of pain. And you have a hero who's doing it out of hope. And then you have a, a hero doing it because, you know, this is what her people stopped doing. And, and they can do. We have a message of peace we can take to the world. Well, and, and if you really, if you look at the trinity of DC, <clears throat> you look at Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you have... Uh, you have you know Superman representing hope. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, like you say, you know Batman is coming out of a, a, a spirit of justice, I guess, as opposed to vengeance. I mean, mm-hmm. Punisher is vengeance. Batman is justice. I guess you can make that and, comparison. And there's two things that uh, that you run into when you deal when you look at characters like Batman and the Punisher is the Punisher's entire life is, what is it, uh, dig two graves? Mm-hmm. Was setting off from revenge, dig two graves, because right. you one, don't... One for your victim, one for you. And, and the Punisher's entire worldview is that way, yeah. which makes him, in many ways, and I think this is why the, the Netflix version, was it Netflix? Yeah. Version of, of the character, I think, worked as well as it did, was because they showed the damage it was doing to him. Whereas you look into the movie versions... You've got an hour and a half of storytelling time. It's mostly yeah, you can't get into that kind of depth. Ghost splody, right? right? And but because I think that it's vengeance arcs don't end well, and they do damage to the people, and so that's not necessarily popular. It may not sell comics, but it's a more powerful version of the character as far as I'm concerned because we talked about this way back when when we the, the Punisher's coming to television it's like yeah. oh how are they going to do this yes yes I remember that <clears throat> well and and if you look you know you contrast that with the way Batman is, is generally portrayed is this you know the spirit of vengeance I am the knight I am Batman and he's doing in some portrayals he's working with the police and he's mm-hmm. legally and officially deputized not and anymore. some he's not and if you look at, you know, Superman for Hope, Batman for Justice, Wonder Woman for Love, those are all positive qualities. Mm-hmm. Whether the characters are entirely, I mean, Batman can be a scary guy. Sure. But. Not, you, not the greatest family character. N- except he's got one of the strongest family ties group. Because he finds people who need him. And then he builds them up to the point that they don't need him anymore. Yeah. And this is how you could end up with characters like Oracle, Batgirl, mm-hmm. Oracle, uh, back to being Oracle in the comics now, which is, oh, is which she? is okay. yeah, she she's still she uh, she said uh, she's giving her she's giving her implants that enabled her to walk again in the she's giving them a rest. You know, they 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 wear down over time, so she's back in. And she goes, I'll put on, I'll, she goes, I'll put on the suit if I need to, but she's serving as Oracle again, which I I, a lot that. of fans were like. You know, 
That's that, so nice to have her back as Oracle because she's so good at the character. I would, I have thought about this for a while, and there are a number of people who are online talking comics, and they're talking with a lot more authority than I have because I haven't, I haven't read comics. I have in a while. consumed so many comics in the last year that I, I got away from for so long, but the last year has really been good for me, just sucking up. Just huge. Yeah. There's so many good comics. Out but I want to. I'm, I've been thinking that I would like to revive rogues gallery mm. and this time do it not as a DC comics oriented show but do it as a comic book oriented show and have it all broad looking at the comics industry as a whole because there's mm. a lot of stuff that's going on in the comics industry not right now that could be you know massive changes in everything because now you've got Marvel going yeah. away with going away from diamond we find out that IDW is working without a deal in place with Diamond. You know, well, they have it. They have a deal. It's just not a. No, legally... they have it. They have an expired agreement. Yeah, but it's 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 an expired deal. But they yeah. have a deal. It's just well, not legally binding. Right, which has you know has to be one. Okay, are they going to be the next ones to jump ship? Because I would Diamond so. Diamond is essentially done at this point. I would say so. And the, and the unfortunate thing is, is there's a, real, a lot of really good comics being published right now. Uh, um, although I, I, I have to say I have not been able to get into the King and Black, um, the Marvel thing, and and it's uh, I feel I feel bad and I feel a little out of touch, but I never really got that excited about the whole symbiote storylines. They just never. I mean, once Spider Man got rid of his black suit and mm. they there's like okay, there's a new character and Venom and okay, it just they were fine, but I know it wasn't like I've been dying for an entire run of evil. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hope people are enjoying it, but it hasn't been. But I've been loving Immortal Hulk. Yeah, it's not, it's all kinds of nightmare fuel. It's it's the well, I'm, I don't think Marvel's putting out too many horror comics right now, but it's if uh, whatever they've got, this is probably the best horror comic Marvel has put out in years. Would you classify the Hulk, for example, as a hero? So there's a reason I brought up Immortal Hulk because this is one of the things they're playing with. Is Bruce Banner is a mess. Bruce in this, Banner is, in this particular. Well, he's always been a mess. I mean, he's yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's um, and now again, when the character first emerged, it was very much a Jekyll and Hyde, mm -hmm. uh, which was really what it was. It was it was at night that he became the Hulk. Yeah, and it was this uncontrollable thing that just happened. But it was a little bit of werewolf, a little bit of Frankenstein, a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde, all in there. And then, of course, the character has been dealt with different ways over time, whether it's been, you make me angry, I lose control. And as they've established the character and broken into the psyche, um, because there's interesting questions about what would it do to your mental state if you turned into a giant green monster that, you know... Pure embodiment of rage. Right. I mean, what, is, what does that do to the person? What does it do to Bruce Banner? Yeah. And they looked into that, and that like opened up all these different ways to, to to study the psychology of Bruce Banner and what's going on in his head. And if you haven't been following along over thirty years of storytelling, but they've basically been doing this, Bruce Banner has got like five different personalities in his head. And the Hulk, how the Hulk has manifested over time, is which of these personalities have been ascendant. So you've had Joe, the Joe Fixit Hulk, who was gray who was much smarter, uh, he was much more cunning, uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't, not, not Hulk smash, it was, hi, I'm the Hulk. Like, 
Oh crap! Um, you know, <laughs> but there's also the Monster Hulk, and there's there's all, the, all these various different things. And at times, Bruce Banner has not changed into the Hulk, but has been the Hulk. So he just looks like this five foot nothing. Right? Banner is Banner physically is often portrayed as being very scrawny, but it's in comparison. Sure. The Hulk is big. Right. Yep. Banner's a normal sized person. Oh, you're losing your face. Losing. Me. Um. <laughs> And uh, uh, there's a story behind there's a story that. Behind it. But, You'll but, see it tomorrow. But so they, this whole thing right now is they're really exploring what it means to. I mean, they're they're looking at the Hulk and saying, "Why is?" I know. Okay, what is? Okay, part of it comes out of the fact that gamma rays don't do the things that they do, right? right? And so there's these there's this. All right, for good and for ill. It's hand wavium. Well, it's not only it's hand-waving, but for good or for ill, every now and again, someone comes along and tries to explain superheroes. <laughs> they attempt to apply some sort of rational framework, and this can be good and bad, right? right. There's times when this is really a cool, really kind of a cool idea. Um, sometimes you end up with some really, really funny things, like Larry Niven's um, Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, uh, which is really kind of a funny way. It's funny, but also a little bit terrifying. Look at uh, what happens if Superman and Lois Lane are over to try and have a kid. Uh, or you get uh, Hancock, right? Mm. Where in the its original form, Tonight He Comes is a much darker look at superheroes. Right. right? Um, but it's also about psychological damage and et cetera, et cetera. So here with, with the uh, immort uh, Immortal Hulk, how is it the Hulk survives all the amount of damage he's been done over the years? Well, he hasn't been. The Hulk has been dying. But he doesn't stay dead. Well, why doesn't he stay dead? Aha! Well, there's this and, and all these different things. And looking at it from the point of view of, well, wait a minute. That's terrifying. Hang on. We've got a horror title. Mm. And it's body horror because ordinary man turns into this giant thing and it's like, oh, wait, is this? And, you know, you got the um, Stearns, the leader, yeah. who's got the swollen head. If, and, and it's like, it's a fascinating look into what a broken person, because really they, it all comes back to childhood trauma. Um, uh, Bruce Banner's father was very, very abusive. He's responsible for the death of Bruce's mother. And that wasn't introduced until later for the character. It, it wasn't, was it? but there was really no backstory to the character. Yeah. He was just a scientist uh, gamma rays, Hulk, right? Yep. So, was, and this is something else that happened. There was a time we didn't need to know. Let me rephrase that. Audiences didn't know that they needed to know Superman's origin story. I would argue <laughs> that there are still those characters where we don't need to know. I'm just waiting Han for the. Solo is one of them. I'm still waiting for the feature-length supercut of every time we've watched Bruce Wayne's parents die in an alley, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've got an hour and a half worth of footage I'm, at this point. I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. Um, do you know uh, the Batman the animated series? I can't remember where I read this. They were so many episodes into the show before they even showed that flashback sequence yeah. because it's like. It's Batman. You know who Batman is. We've done it already. Everybody knows this story. And I think that when you look at something like Batman v Superman, um, one of the scenes that I think the Martha thing, of course, became its own thing. But every, it's like you see 
the bats and he floats up in the air and you're like, what are we doing? Yes. It's like, why are we, it doesn't, we don't require mythic, it's Batman, what's wrong with you? Well, although, you know, depending on the approach that storytellers take with Batman, um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, of runs where the beginning of it is he's the urban legend. Sure. He's uh -huh. the myth. We don't, we don't, is he real or not? We don't know if he's an actual person or if he's just this, this. Which is why that thing. line doesn't make sense. I didn't know if you were real. He's been around for 20 years. This would have been established by this point. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's a storytelling thing. Well, but it's, and, and the other part of that is when you have Batman around for that long and Superman's not, then you don't get the Dark Knight Returns Batman versus Superman moment. It's not earned. You don't get that tw that 20 you, years of yeah, history, that friendship. You have to have that in order for that scene, that what we get in the Dark Knight Returns. That doesn't have the emotional power. Right. It's like, it's like slapping in... Uh, it's like killing, flipping Wrath of Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. It's like, okay, guys, we just met these versions of the characters in the last movie. You can't do this to us. We don't yeah. have, we don't have, we don't care about them yet. They, we don't have twenty years, twenty, thirty years of, of storytelling. I think that's something else. Is that you can, you can experiment with some of these characters who've been around for a long time, because they've established, you've established who they are. Right. Um, and depending on whether or not they're particularly popular, so you can take a character like Yellow Jacket, Hank Pym, who is a hero until he's not. Yeah. And and here's a character who, and you've you've all seen the image of Batman slapping Robin. That's oh, become yeah. a meme thing, right? Well, we, sh we should do that. We should. But there's also the and. I get to slap you, by the way. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> um, Hank, Hank Pym, Yellow Jacket, slaps Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. And at the time, this is, this is culture changing, right? At the time, it wasn't particularly, it was just character having an emotional thing. And, and, it and was as, a thing that happened. And, and as time, people sat there and went, you know what? That's not right. Yeah. It's abuse. And... So they started playing with the comic idea and basically breaking down Hank Pym. And, and of course, they also had, he created Ultron and all these different things in the comics. You're not, not in the MCU, obviously. Um, and so they've been able to, they took the character who was a hero and they made him into a villain. A tragic villain sometimes, and sometimes mm. a straight up villain. They did the same thing with Reed Richards in um, uh, The Ultimate yeah. Line, where they basically turned him into, well, He's far more, he's a far more villainous character than Doctor Doom is in that universe. I saw um, Doom's not a good guy either, but yeah, I saw a, a behind-the-scenes documentary on the on the development of the animated Batman, mm. and I had not realized, um, I guess maybe because I wasn't paying attention at the time, but the origin of Mister Freeze that we get in the animated series was the first time that story had been told. Up until that point, Mr. Freeze was just Mr. Freeze. He was just an evil guy. Right. Now he has a motivation for doing what he's doing. And you talk about the tragic villain, you talk about the, the, the sympathetic villain. Mm -hmm. 
he now has this reason for doing what he does. And it also goes back to that whole Batman wants to rehabilitate. We want to save Nora. How do we figure out how to get Nora out of suspended mm -hmm. animation and right. save her life? And when you get those, those emotional beats in the story that resonate with the audience, whether it's, whether it's the hero or the villain, it enriches that story that much more. It's not just white hat, black hat, you know, Boo hits the villain. Look at Doctor Octopus in, in Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Doctor Octopus, who is often portrayed very, very stock villain in the comics, although he did the, the Superior Spider-Man run where he started off possessing Spider-Man, yeah, and then ended up becoming a character which actually ended up fans seemed to enjoy. He had his own little spin-off title for a while, um, and. I read a few issues. Oh, this is okay. I didn't need to, didn't, didn't completely engage him, but I was like, this is all right. Yeah. Um, and but Alfred Molina coming in there, playing the character, dealing with loss, dealing with you know his own creation, taking a certain amount of control. It's the old little bit of Frankenstein in there as yeah. well. Right. Um, and I think you end up with with uh, a character who's much, a villain who's much more interesting. And I think villains who. Where it's we're getting to the point, and, I, and there's still there's still a place for the pure of heart and the and the darkest of evil. Mm -hmm. There's still a place for those stories, right. but there's a large portion of the audience that seems to want characters who are not. They've got the they've got the nuance to them. They want a villain. They want a villain with a motivation, even if the motivation is wrong. They want they want an explanation for why they're doing what they're doing. May yeah, I I agree with you to a point. Uh, there are there I think also we get to the point and a number of these franchises especially where certain origin stories or backstories are completely unnecessary. We have these oh, prequels. No you know, Solo being one of them. You have these prequels. I. When, when they did the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, my first thought was, oh, okay, you know, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, you don't really need it. The biggest problem for the prequel trilogy for me, and the more I think about this, the more it's, it's become very, very clear, is it demythed it. Yeah. And because yep. the Clone Wars sounds so much cooler than what we got, right? And and that's and, and if you're a fan of the original trilogy, that's fine. And 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 I know it's a controversial opinion, but if you're a fan of the of the sequel trilogy, that's fine too. I don't care. We didn't require Darth Vader's origin. Right. I will actually rather watch Solo again. Which I did not, I didn't think, I didn't think, I, it's an unnecessary movie. Exactly. I didn't dislike it. It was fine. I thought it was okay. It was okay. But it's an unnecessary film. I would rather watch that again, and probably will, before I watch the, the, sequel, the, the prequel trilogy again. Because quite frankly, see, the, the, prequel trilogy, no the prequel trilogy works better with... The animated series. It does. It because, does. But because what that does is it turns Anakin 
into a tragic hero because the, you know what's going to happen to him. The problem with that, and we've talked about this before, is that if the thing that makes your other thing better is in a different medium... Uh, yeah. And folks, dear, dear creators, um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with telling part of a story in a comic, part of it on television, part of it in a movie, part of it as a web podcast or, or webisode or whatever. Nothing wrong with that at all. However, yeah. it's... There, and, and sometimes it's a really cool idea to have this crap. I, I like the idea a lot. Cross-platform storytelling, very cool. Doctor Who's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the day, what was it? Um, uh, when Battlestar Galactica was on the air on Sci-Fi, they were calling it transmedia. Right, sure. Yes, and was, that was the big buzzword. Which is, I mean, it's a, it's a really cool idea. The problem is, is that your audience is not necessarily going to consume all that different media content. Right. And so if if part of your story, part of your hero's journey, or your villain's journey for that matter, is dependent on this thing over here, and what we have seen is that just because Marvel movies bring in all these dollars and all these audience people doesn't translate into people buying the comic books. And comic book readers don't... And, and, yeah, uh, and you I know. told you my theory behind that. But. Well, but I think there's also... There's folks who read the comics who, quite frankly, the movie versions aren't their versions of the characters because yeah. to some degree they're not. No, and they're not. And you know, that's basically the ultimate line is was the basis for the MCU. And if you're reading the mainstream 616 universe, you're looking at different versions of the characters. Except the main 616 universe is even... Thing but they've rebooted. Yeah, they, they, they've they've all rebooted and, and, and mixed and matched things. Yeah. But um, I, I, you're not doing yourself any favors if you're splitting it up like that. And I think that's one of the problems with the prequel trilogy. But um, you don't leaving a little bit of mystery is okay. I mean, you can mm. you can play with it. Um, once in future. Is a is I want to say it's Dark Horse. I'm probably wrong. Might be I, I can't remember who it is. I think it's Dark Horse. Someone correct me if if they know. Um, which is um, the people who are trying to stop Merlin from bringing back Arthur in its contemporary setting. And it's actually mm. it's a it's a fantasy horror comic. Sure. It's, it's quite good. Um, uh, I'm really another one of the titles that I'm really enjoying right now. Um, the it's it's Merlin as a villain. Maybe he has his own agenda. Yeah. And what he's doing is getting people killed. But Merlin is the son of a demon in the the myth of the character. And what he does isn't necessarily nice, but it's necessary so you can put Arthur on the throne. But he knows all these bad things are going to happen, and, and it, there's a lot of things going on there. You can play with that. Mm-hmm. But he's also a mythic character. You have room to wiggle. Um, the Certainly the book version of American Gods, uh, and to some degree what I've seen of, of the TV series of American Gods, Playing with these mythic characters, finding their different motivations. You know, when you're when your main one of your main characters and also one of your main villains and also a protagonist is Odin, the not most reliable god. The Norse gods, if you're not familiar with Norse mythology, 
they're, they're a mess. <laughs> they're all kinds of crazy mess. It's a lot of fun. Um, I would I would argue that the Greeks and the Roman gods were. I'm not saying they were they were any messes too. Very much better, but. but there's a lot more. I mean, there's a reason why you know Loki could be such an interesting character across, whether it's the Marvel universe Loki or, or a lot of other different storytelling. Yeah. It's because the gods, the gods are like us, and that's good and bad, uh, and so it makes it for some entertaining storytelling. But you can also flip things around. I mean, you and I, I you know, I talked about this last week uh, when, after our last recording. One of my favorite dark, dark fantasy series, um, the main character, the, it's The Chronicles of Thomas Covenant by uh, Stephen Donaldson. And <clears throat> Thomas Covenant is the main character. But it takes like, it's a 10-book series. It takes like six books before he's really a hero. And to some degrees, it's subverting the idea because he's the chosen one. Oh, yeah. Right? He's been he, a, a mysterious godlike being has brought him from our world to another world where he is. He has the appearance. He has destiny. And, he's destiny. And, yeah. and people go, you're, you're the reincarnation of our greatest hero. You know, you, he has a white gold wedding ring. And it's like, that's a symbol of power and all these things. It's everyone's like expecting him to save the world. And in the first... 50 pages of the book, he rapes someone. I mean, and, and rape is a special kind of evil, folks. I mean, there's just no... And this is the guy you're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah. And what it does is it basically... It's, this, is, this is Tolkien level of world building. Donaldson got a lot of praise for his world building and also a lot of criticism for just the grimness of the story. And it's a brutal, brutal story. And it's not for everybody. I know people who have picked it up, read the first hundred pages and went, nope, I am out. Yep. And I completely understand that. But the arc that he takes the hero on, because by the end, Covenant has made choices and done things. And it's all about consequences and the choices you make. Sure. Which in many ways is a part of what the hero's journey is. Yeah, it's it's... It's the in in its most basic form. You know, you look at Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. In its most basic form, the hero, when he is called to be a hero, that's the first step. You have to uh, you have to make the decision and make the choice that yes, I'm going to follow this path. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go down this road, and let's see what happens. And we're going to try to do the good, right thing. And more often than not, it works out, and he's the hero, and he's celebrated, and everything's everything's great. Covenant up roses, hunky dunky. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Well, and that's and that's why the Covenant books are so interesting because he basically he's, he the call is is made, and he says no. No, this isn't this isn't real. No, this is real. I'm I'm, I'm hallucinating. Mm -hmm. I hit my head, and I'm dreaming, and none of this is real. And yet it keeps intruding and keeps insisting that it is. Right. And, and he's a very, there's, there's, a, there's a trope in fantasy where our modern person gets dropped into the fantasy world. Oh, right. And it, this is that a thing. He's a modern human being. He's a, he's a novelist uh, who catches leprosy. And, and because it's so rare in the, in the modern world anymore, 
um, it's very little understood. So people are afraid of him, and his wife takes their kid, and she leaves. And uh, he becomes very, very bitter. So he's this bitter, jaded person who's thrown into this fantasy setting and told, you're the hero! And he's like, no. And yet, over the course of the books, he finds himself doing what... The journey is a lot more brutal, uncompromising, and painful than the standard hero journey. Which I think that if it's the kind of thing you enjoy, right. you'll get a lot out of the book series. Um, you'll also notice that, that Donaldson... You kind of think he loves the sound of his own voice. <laughs> he's, he's he's one of those writers. He's like Tolkien. He invents languages. He doesn't do it in the scale, right. of course. Uh, but but there's a lot of that in there, and there's a whole lot of wow. You you like the fancy words, don't you, sir? But I really enjoy. I mean, I, I said I really enjoyed the series. But it's dark. It's dark. It's dark. And it's it's yeah. not it's not a hero's journey for everybody. So if you had to if you had to craft a hero from old cloth what attributes are inherent inherently necessary for a hero Well I think to some degree it depends on the kind of story you're going to tell but the in broad strokes in the thing that could cross pretty much any genre right um you have to have someone who, at their whether they, whether they want to admit it to themselves or not, because sometimes that's part of the journey. Mm. They are um, at at the, at the core. They care, yep. and they they can care about. The, they don't just care about the big ideas. They care about the little ones. So it's the idea that they see someone in pain and they want to help. Or they see an injustice in the world and they want to they want to fix it. Uh, it's a, a, an oppressive government or a cat in a tree, uh, a kid in a well, um, versus unfair taxation. Uh, you know, a, a war that's looming because people won't talk to each other. I mean, there's you, whether your whatever your scale is, they look at it and say something must be done. Something must be done, and yeah. and like I said, it can be a very very tiny thing. They can, um, you know. Someone who uh, you know, doesn't get the respect for the really good meal they cooked, and they walk over and go, "That tasted good, thank you." You know, and they have to have that core thing because if they're not empathy, empathy, because um, without that, they're just whatever their drive is. Um, so often it's it's find it, you know. I mean, because if it's vengeance. You know, do your job. You know, uh, what, is, what does an Inga Montoya do when he's caught the six-figured man? Right. Um, well, we don't know. That's not. It's not. It's not important. We don't. We don't need a sequel. He becomes the Dread Pirate Roberts. Well, that's right. He does. But, but, but Wesley is. You know, at the core, Wesley loves Buttercup. That's it. Yep, and the and the whole idea is get get her back. And and beyond that, he looks at this thing and goes, "Oh yeah, I'll take down the take down the evil prince while I'm at it." But you know, it's it's not his you know his his it's about love and care. And yes, it's off, also very funny. 
but well, and I would say that that's that's at the core of Batman's character as well. I mean, he loves his city; it's his home; it's where he where, where he grew up; it's where his parents died. But he also has this empathy for people in pain, well, and it's I, it's not it's not love; it's not driven by you know that particular type of emotion, but that empathy of knowing what it feels like to suffer a loss, to suffer a tragedy. Which is how he built up the Bat family. Yeah. And why they love him. Because I think that one of the things that, that especially in, in later in these later years, they've looked at it and recognized that the Bat family dates back to the, what, the 60s? At least. Um, and well, Robin was introduced in, what, 46, 48? Yeah, but I think, the, I think the actual referencing it is the Bat family. Oh, it was right, the 50s right, or yeah. 60s. Um, yeah, because you had the you had the first Batwoman and Batgirl and right, Batman. and now it liter- it literally is because there's this there's this recognition I think that as you expand this you look at like Alfred being Bruce's father, mm. and in the most recent issue of Nightwing, um, Alf- Alfred has died in the comics again, and they're running with this for quite a while. That was yeah. like, I was expecting him to bring the character back in the last because there was a universal. Semi reboot recently, where they sat there and went, "It's all true, folks." You mean post rebirth? Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Because they basically sat there and went, "Okay, <sighs> we're gonna try and get it right this time." <laughs> DC's DC's been doing some stuff, but Alfred Alfred died. But they're re- running with the imp- implications of that, and it's kind of there's this acknowledgement that Alfred was as much Dick Grayson's father as Bruce Wayne was. Yeah. And the recognition in this particular storyline, uh, Alfred goes, you know, I'm rich. I've saved all my money. I live in this house. I haven't had any expenses. I've invested wisely here. And so suddenly, well, well in, in Batman, Batman's, Bruce Wayne's fortune is gone. Dick Grayson just became a, million, a multimillionaire. Um, and... He's in Bloodhaven, so it's a different. They're playing with the dynamics, right? right? But the idea is, is that Bruce, while being this gruff figure, because he picked these people who were in pain and brought them together, and taught them to be strong, but not to need him anymore. Um, he built this family, who they love each other, and while he doesn't show it, he is, if not their father, then their big brother, and right. all these things. So yeah, it's about it's about it's about pain and, and love and, and, and a little bit, shockingly, a little bit of hope. Batman and hope. I know, right? Um, I think the other the other part of that is perseverance. Hmm. Uh, you look at Frodo Baggins, for example, and and Samwise, and you look at uh, Luke Skywalker. And the, the idea that there is something bigger than me mm-hmm. and I can't drop the ball here. I have to see this through. Right. Whatever the outcome is, whatever it does to me, you know, your hero sits there and goes, all right, this is a thing that has to get done and I'm the one that's here, so I've got to get it done. I've got to, I've got to be the one to do it. Lord, with, with The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, our main characters 
survive the story. Yeah. They aren't they aren't the, the warriors, they aren't the you know the dramatic heroes. The fact that the you're right, it's the perseverance. Frodo and, and Sam, the fact that they just didn't stop. Yeah. And and they managed not to get stabbed or eaten. And lots of <laughs> lots of ducking and bobbing and weaving. Exactly. And, 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 and just not getting and, stepped on. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's and I think that's one of the reasons I think I have I take issue with Harry Potter as a hero figure because yes he's got the perseverance yes he's got the empathy but he doesn't have there's there's something about Harry Potter as a character that rubs me the wrong way he's a protagonist but he's not necessarily heroic because he employs the same kind of tactics that the villains do He's dishonest. He breaks the rules. You know, he's... You know, uh, I, I'm going to get away with things because I'm the chosen one type of attitude. Whether He's not conscious of it, but the way the story plays out, J.K. Rowling writes him that way where he does these things and doesn't suffer consequences because of it and all I the time. don't disagree with you at all. Um, I think that one of the problems with Harry Potter is that Harry Potter is a child without... So Superman gets raised by the Kents mm. with a code. And that code has had tweaks over time, but the general gist of it has stayed pretty the same. And one thing that's perfectly fine for developing a character like Harry Potter is that He's had a terrible childhood. Parents are dead. Uh, his adopted family doesn't care for him. Right. Treat him very poorly. He comes to this school where it's all weird and crazy and wonderful. Um, and part of the growth of the character is he's kind of a brat. Well, he's all, that that whole always been on his own thing plays into that that that. I don't want to say entitlement, but that sense of I'm just going to do my thing and I'm the hero because I survived Voldemort the first time. And, and, and some degree he, yeah. grow, he grows into the role of a hero over time. He's, sure. on, he's, he's on his own hero's path. Neville Longbottom, interestingly enough, mm. um, is a much better, I think, example of the traditional hero model. Yeah. And less so in the movies than in the books. He's got... Doesn't have a lot to do in the movies, but but he does get that scene in in the final film where he does get to to wield the sword and be a little bit of a badass. And as somebody who, because I used to watch the films with my dad, we both we both found them to be interesting, and so we'd go watch the, when they new one came out, we'd catch them in the theater together. And so it was kind of I com had to complete the series just because I started it. I've never seen the last one. Um, well, no, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen the last two. Um, it, yeah, I mean if. if for, for a sense of completion, I'm perfectly happy with them. Um, but you actually get the moment where you see this character who is, strictly speaking, he's like, you know, the, the kid who lives next door to the chosen one. Right. You know? Right. Um, Monty Python's Life of Brian is about, you know, it's not Jesus, it's the other, it's the other guy. Yeah. Everyone's like, eh, you know. 
played for comedy there played for almost a weird sense of tragedy in Neville Longbottom because he's kind of almost the chosen one. It's like the character in Dune. Um, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the character, but he was almost the Kwisak Haderach. Yeah. He was one. He was one marriage away. If they had, if a different marriage had happened, he could have been the role that well, Paul was. And and you mentioned a code, and I think that's that's something. I mean, you go back even far as far back as the Lone Ranger, for example. Mm-hmm. The Lone Rangers got a creed, and it's actually written out. And people, you can look this up, and it's it's great. But you have you know Luke Skywalker, for example, with the Jedi way. You know, the, there's a there's a a belief system. There's a set of ideas, ideals. Something else. The philosophy. The, the prequels did not do us any favors by well, giving I think, us more of. I think the prequels. I think one of the one of the problems with the prequels, aside from the fact that it was oh new shiny CG showcase as opposed to let's tell a good story. Yeah. It's. It's too close in time to the original sequels, uh, to the original trilogy. Because you fought in the Clone Wars? That's a long time ago. That's Grandpa in World War II type of thing, where you go back 30, 40, 50 years to the Clone Wars, not 20 years ago when you were just born. I mean, well, it's, that, it's too close. You, you build up the... And, and I don't have a problem with breaking down the... Again, I, I quite enjoy sometimes deconstructing the Covenant books. They're deconstructing the idea of a hero. Mm. But the Jedi in the prequel trilogy are such a mess. I mean, their yeah. council, their structure, all of these things, you look at it and go... Why do people think you guys are okay? You're 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 a kind of police force, but you're poorly run. This is not good, <laughs> and, and it doesn't end well. And it doesn't end well, and and so. But yet, in the original film, in in, the, in even in the original trilogy, you end up with this sense of mythic. Yeah. Again, you come back to the idea of these yeah. mythic roles and the idea of these almost knights of the old republic. Right. You it's, know, it's, it, they're the, 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 they should be Arthur and his knights of the round table. And, and it's fine that you can end poorly just like Arthur and his knights did. Because wow. part of the hero's journey in some cases is that at the end they fail. Sometimes. Uh, you look at... But that's the setup for the redemption. And well, the, or... Or the, or the next person who takes up the mantle. Yeah. So you look at, an, or someone like Arthur, you know, Arthur will return again. Or in the time of need, right? Um, some would argue, there should have been some Nazi punching. <laughs> Arthur, where was Arthur at the time? But yeah. um, at the same time, you end up with this, you know, the hero is buried beneath the mountain. Um, that This kind of stuff where, and because... And we know people die, and so the gods who live forever are one thing. But if our heroes are mortal, mm-hmm. telling the end of their story, um, Robin Hood shooting his arrow into the into the up into the sky, and that's where he'll be buried, where the arrow falls. Um, 
you know, the idea that, um, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrificing we'll, himself. We'll probably get an end to Indiana Jones in the next movie. And I think that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because for one thing, as much as I love seeing Harrison Ford do Indiana Jones, and I'm... He's going to be 80. I know, and, and as much as I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, I think she's a, she's a really, really talented lady, fantastic actress, and she can dance, too. Um, as much as I enjoy her, I'm... Questioning whether we needed a sequel. I think we could have stayed with the first three films and been done. Yeah. And I, not to say that, again, I, I, I'm looking forward to see what they do with it. I'm, I love the cast so far. I'm curious, but I don't have a burning desire to you know, stand in line and I have to see this movie. And you know, part of it comes to me is that Indiana Jones is like the shadow. Stay with me, folks. They belong in a certain time period. Mm. Yeah. Indiana Jones works as a character in the pulp tradition. Because of, you know, in the 30s. 30s and 40s. Yeah. You can go into the early 50s because the pulps and detective novels were there. But once you get into because because as, as much as you know the Cold War, um, e, you know, East versus West, U.S. versus Russia, communist versus capitalism thing, is a fertile ground for all kinds of storytelling. Maybe not for the Indiana Jones universe. I saw somebody Probably posted not. that figuring figuring Harrison Ford's age, plus you know, and at what Indiana Jones, where Indiana Jones would be in this time period, it would be about 1977. Right. And he said this movie is going to be all about Indiana Jones going to see Star Wars. Somebody said that. Um, that's that has that. Has. Somebody, somebody made some similar comment where it's like um, the entire plot is going to be Phoebe Waller-Bridge trying to teach him how to use his VCR. <laughs> and I don't think we're quite at the point where he gets a VCR yet. But or answering machine. <laughs> he's got to walk past a theater at, at just, just, a, just a glimpse. No question. If, if you're going to do that. See the movie poster. If you're going to do well, that, that, then you should. Well, that looks dumb, and he walks away. Um, I, I, I think that would be really yeah. funny. But I think, you know, I just... I love you know, Harrison Ford is great. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge Waller is great. And and fantastic. I'm looking forward to the movie, but... Um, we don't need it. I don't need it. I mean, I love the character, but... And Indiana Jones is an example of a hero that... Um, well, he's the reluctant hero. Yeah. He's a hero who doesn't want... He doesn't want to be bothered. He just wants to go steal his artifacts. He's a great robber, folks. Um, and sleep with his underage students. These are not good things. Marion was too young. It was the one time. There's nothing in the story that says he might have it of it. It once is enough, but it could have been worse because in the earlier version of the script, Marion was even younger. Yeah. Kids? No. <laughs> but but he also becomes his character. He's also a certain kind of pulp hero. Yeah. Um, and you got those characters coming out of and you get them in film noir where these are where they might they are the He's kind of an archetype. They're kind of the designated hero. In a, in, a, in a world where everybody is bad. 
the least bad person. Yeah, it's like, all right, if I have to. I'll solve the murder because, well. Otherwise, you won't leave me alone. Because he's my partner and you have a code. Yeah. I cheated, you know, I slept with my partner's wife, but nobody kills my partner. He's my partner. (laughs) And that's, I mean, and you end up with, sometimes you can end up with great storytelling, but as much as I love Bogart movies, he didn't always play the hero. No, he didn't. All right, speaking of endings, we have come to the end of ours. We're going to leave it at that, and I'm sure we will circle back around to talk about this, because we could talk about what makes a good villain. Oh, yeah. At, at some point <laughs> as well. Maybe not, maybe not next week. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out something. Uh, in the meantime, if, uh, if this or any of the other videos have your interest at all, if you want to subscribe to the channel, if you haven't already, have your notifications turned on, Tomorrow on Live from the Bunker, we have uh, Mr. Harvey talking with film director Patrick Ray, and uh, that's going to be on the books for tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking to author Eric Leland. And then tomorrow night, we've got a new Salacious Crumbs, I think, maybe. We're working on those notes. Uh, and then we got Ranker Pit on Thursday, and then we've got Foreign Bodies on Saturday. I think y'all are going to Sweden this We're week. We're going, yes. We're going Swiss. If there's not a Swedish... Ricola! There's um, got to be a bork, bork, bork in there somewhere. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> we are, we'd get to play with the one Ingmar Bergman horror film. That would be fun. This is one of the... And if you're not... If you're not you've, you've heard the name. If you haven't seen the film, he's yeah. one of the most influential filmmakers of, of all time. Made one horror film. All right, well, that'll be on Saturday. Uh, so that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. And uh, on your way out, if you want to hit a, a thumbs up, that will help the algorithm. Leave your comments with what you think uh, makes a good hero, some of your favorite heroes, and uh, share those thoughts. We'll, we'll look at that, and we will be back to do this again next week. Yeah, thanks, folks. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.